Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Title of my message this morning, Are You Angry or Just Mad? Are you angry or just mad? Let me tell you how this came about. About three weeks ago uh, was a week where Teresa was at her job in Puyallup. So I was, I had wound down the day. I was by myself, very quiet in the house. I was getting ready to go to bed. And I laid my head down on the pillow and I said, Lord, you know, I've got a turn coming up here uh, to speak. And I don't have any idea what you want me to talk about. And, and I said, so here's what I need, Lord. Watch over my family tonight as we all lay our head on the pillow and give us a hedge of protection and guardian angels around my girls, wherever they happen to be, and around this home. And I said, Lord, when I wake up in the morning, I need divine inspiration. And uh, with that, I rolled over and went sound asleep and just figured, well, it's in God's hands. He knows what I need. And so... I woke up the next morning, and my eyes popped open, and the first thing that came to my mind was this little scripture, be angry and do not sin. I'm like, huh? What's that? Be angry and do not sin. So I got my breakfast, got my shower, headed into my office, and I thought, I need to figure out where that came from in the scripture. So I looked it up on my BibleStudyTools.com or whatever that is comes out of Psalm chapter 4, verse 4, and it, it's, it's packed in there with a few other little in, instructions, but that's the one that jumped out at me, and I thought, okay, Jesus knows our hearts, and, and he knows all that's built in us already. He knows our DNA, and so obviously we can be angry and not commit a sin at the same time. So that's where my um, that's where my research took me. The word anger shows up in the Bible two hundred and twenty eight times. The word angry shows up another eighty nine times. I don't know what that adds up to because I'm not that great at math, but it's over three hundred times. And I figure, wow, if 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 the Lord said something about anger that many times, He probably had a reason. Okay, He had a purpose in all of that. So we're going to unpack this today. We're going to talk about the word anger, and uh, we're going to look at the good side and the bad side, both, of anger. Let me share a little story with you to get us, uh, to get the train on the tracks here. In a small town in France, a woman became fed up with her neighbors constantly parking outside of her home, blocking her gate. For weeks she had asked and pleaded with them not to park there. She woke up before dawn one morning to see a brand new gleaming burgundy colored vehicle parked in front of her gate. 
She decided right then and there that enough was enough. So with great glee, she went down and scratched the paint with a wire brush. And if that wasn't enough, she poured several gallons of white glossy paint over the entire car. Next, she she slashed the tires. Yeah, she's a fun one, isn't she? (laughs) Deeply satisfied with herself, she returned to her bed. And then later that morning, her husband came in to wake her up. He wanted to show her a present that he had purchased for their 10th anniversary. A brand new burgundy colored car. What do I call that? That's a big whoops, huh? Anger management is not in, was not in her vocabulary. So anger is a huge problem in our society, if you haven't noticed, huh? All you gotta do is turn on the Portland news at five o'clock every evening, flipping channels between any of those stations, and the anger of mankind is broadcast for us right there on the big screen. It shows, I mean, every day somebody's getting shot in Portland. Talk about make me nervous just to drive over and eat in Portland. Yeah, the last thing I want to eat is a bullet. I mean, come on now. So anger is this huge problem in our society. Anger management, on the other hand, is probably the most underdeveloped skill that most people possess. Unfortunately, that's the truth, don't you think? So most of us battle the temptation to get angry, lose our cool on a daily basis sometimes. Lately, for me, it's been traffic. Traffic, good old Vancouver traffic. I've told you how I I don't really like it. I like a small town feel and everything, but I've learned to live with it. But lately, I'll pull up to a stoplight, okay, and I'm minding my own business. I'm in the middle lane. The guy over here, his lane says left turn only. The guy over here, his lane says right turn only. So I know that when I go straight through the intersection, I'm going to be by myself. It's going to be okay, okay? How many times in the last six months I've pushed the pedal only to have the idiot beside me try to race me across the intersection and beat me to the only single lane that I have available? And I'm like, where'd you get your driver's license at Payless or, or, or Kmart or what's the deal? Who taught you how to drive? If I could get my hands on some of them, I'll tell you what I did a while back and I'm just being transparent. I was sitting at the little light across from the entrance to the Vancouver Mall. Sure enough, left-hand turn lane, right-hand turn lane, big, bold letters, it's printed on the ground. I'm sitting in the middle lane, minding my own business. I'm going to go have a Five Guys burger and uh, have some dinner. And I look over, and this kid is in his little BMW tuner car. It's a boombox. It's just ba-bum, 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 and it's just blasting. And he's got the windows down, and he's smoking his cigarette, and he's having a good time, and he's not turning right. And I'm like, this guy's had all kinds of opportunities to turn right. What's his problem? So it boiled my anger just a little bit. So the light turned, well, before the light turned green, I had my foot in the gas pedal. I knew this. I knew the cycle, okay? I knew the cycle of the lights. And before that puppy hit green, man, I had the old foot in the, in the, uh, in the yeah. And my truck shot across the intersection. And this guy shot across the intersection. And he had to slam on his brakes and stop or he would have jumped the curb and gone into the parking lot there by the Voodoo Donut. And I just had to chuckle. And then I thought about it, and, I, and then I got around the corner, and I kind of got shaky, and I thought, well, that was kind of stupid. You're, six, you're 63 years old, and you're out here in your pickup truck racing little kids. What's the deal? It was just anger. It was my moment of anger that exploded on me. So when I'm out in traffic, I have to be very careful because me and traffic, we don't get along. Your anger, my anger, could be something as simple as not 
You can't get the lawnmower started. You know, you go out there to start the thing, and you pull and you pull and you pull, and it don't work. It's not going to work. Or it could be frustration with a coworker or your boss. Aren't those fun? Huh? It could even be deep-seated anger at a parent or a spouse. Now, that can get ugly. But whatever it is, God knows that we have a tendency to get angry. He built us, as I said. He knows that we're going to struggle with this. And yet, he put it in us that we can work on us and make us better. Amen? His word is going to give us some instruction today that I believe is going to help us out. So if you're taking notes, number one, write this down. Anger is a heart problem. Anger is a heart problem. Matthew 5 and 21 says this. You have heard that it was said to the people not long, or long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, this is Jesus talking, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to her brother or sister, Raka, and I'll let you look that one up so you can figure out how it ties it all together, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus always narrowed the path a little bit more, didn't he? Yeah. Always made it a little tougher to be coloring outside the lines. He says, you want to live the life I'm called you to live? Here you go. How about walking this path, okay? And Jesus gives us the root cause of murder here. And what is it? It's anger. That's what causes people to shoot each other in the streets of our cities. Amen? And it has everything to do with the attitude and the condition of their heart. Amen? So, does Jesus forbid every kind of anger in this passage in in Matthew? No, he does not. We already read Psalm 4 and 4. Be angry and do not sin. So we know... That there's alternatives there. And here's how I'd put it to you. There's righteous anger and there's unrighteous anger. We can be angry and we don't have to sin in that anger. But when we cross the line, we can get angry and then we commit a sin. Righteous anger, is my, my little definition for it, is being upset over sin and injustice in our world. Okay? Righteous anger. It's okay... To be angry when you look at the television. Now, we've been flooded all weekend with 9-11, 20-year anniversary. The pictures alone will just scare you to death. I told my wife, uh, like on Friday, and we'd been here working and doing our thing, and we'd gone home, and I'd taken a little nap, and I said, listen, I'm not going to get caught up in the 9-11 documentary all weekend kind of thing. And sure enough, Saturday afternoon, I flipped the TV on, after I'd studied for a while, and I got into the 9-11 documentary thing. But when we see those things, when we see what terrorists can do in the name of their God, so to speak, it's okay to be angry with that. It's okay to be angry with the situation in Afghanistan. It's okay to be angry with the situation in Syria. People suffering because of the malice of these terrorists. It's okay to be angry with that. It's okay to be angry when you hear about a child that has been abused. It's okay to be angry when you hear of a woman that has been raped. That's righteous anger. It's anger that boils up inside of us. And Jesus said, you know what, that kind of thing, that's all right. Mark chapter 3, Jesus demonstrated righteous anger. And normally it was with the religious folks. Jesus said to the man... 
with the shriveled hand. Mark 3 and 3. Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, being the religious folks, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked, look at this, verse 5. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. His hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. They were proud. They didn't like being called on the carpet. And they had an anger problem, don't you think? Sin and injustice, as we talked about, makes God angry. And we should also be alarmed and angry with those things as well. Let me read you a quote from a fellow by the name of David Siemens. He's a book writer. He says, anger is divinely implanted in emotion, closely allied to our instinct for what is right. It is to be used for constructive spiritual purposes. Listen, the person who cannot feel angry at evil is a person who lacks enthusiasm for good. If you cannot hate wrong, it's very questionable whether you really love righteousness. Wow. That's a, yeah, that's a checkup from the neck up, right? Boy, if you cannot hate wrong, it's very questionable whether you really Love righteousness. Now, Jesus has forbid in this passage a number of times vindict, what I call vindictive anger. Okay? That's what lives in your heart and festers, causes unforgiveness, all of that. Let me just share a few words that would identify vindictive anger. So, check yourself today as you hear these things. It's explosive. It's bitter. It's spiteful. It's jealous. It's rude. It's quick-tempered. And it's out of control. You ever have one of those days? Huh? Things come your way. You don't handle them so well. Vindictive anger. It wishes to do harm. It's vengeful. It's hateful. It's selfish anger that can lead to harsh words and even violent physical actions. Wow. Speaking of Genesis chapter four, verses six through eight. Make sure I'm not jumping the gun here. No, I'm right on target. Okay. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Boy, if you're anywhere near that verse, underline that. But you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were out in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. First recorded murder in the Bible happened between brothers, which is just mind-boggling to me. But that's how much anger was built up in Cain's heart. He had a heart problem, amen? Number two today, if you're taking those notes, anger is a hurt problem. Anger is a hurt problem. Uh, my pastor in Tacoma, where I served for 20 years up there, he used to have this little saying, hurt people hurt people. Okay? Let me say that again. Hurt people hurt people. Out of personal pain, a lot of times people strike out. And they they bring damage into the lives. There are consequences for uncontrolled and vindictive anger. 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. I'll stick with the second one. How about you? I'm looking for that eternal life. Amen? And Jesus was talking about sowing seed here into good soil. He always, in the, in the parables, he talked about sowing 30 times, 60 times, even a hundred times what was sown and that we would reap a harvest accordingly. But how many of you know that bad seed can multiply just as easily? Huh? Yeah. They sow to the wind, Hosea chapter 8 verse 7. They sow the wind and reap a whirlwind. The stalk has no head. It will produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. So there, you can sow in good soil, take good seed, put it in good soil. And I always liken that to giving. That You can't outgive God. I've tried. I've been in, in church all my life, ever since I was just a little boy. And you cannot outgive God because the more you sow, the greater the harvest that's going to come back. And he's going to pour it in your lap. Amen? But the bad seed can multiply as well. When I wrote this down, I thought about the neighbors behind me. We have a love-hate relationship with the neighbors who live on the other side of the fence right behind us. And uh, it's a Russian family. It's like two or three generations all under one roof. And it's, it's, it's a mess over there. I mean, it is Sanford and Son all over again. There's more junk in the front yard, the backyard, and all the side yards. But what they have is they have uncontrolled vegetation in the way of blackberry bushes that they won't address that are on their side of the fence. But those blackberry bushes love to crawl right up over the top of our shrubs. We have big, tall arborvitas. And you look out at the arborvita, and there's blackberry bushes hanging four or five feet into the yard. And you got to get the big ladder and the clippers every month or so, and you got to go down through there and clip them all down. Oh, boy, that looks so much better. Because sure enough, if we tried to spray the bad seed of the blackberries, it would kill everything in our yard. The yard, Our yard would just go dead or in a doornail. That would be the, all those beautiful arborvitas would just die. So you can't do that. So it's like, okay, this guy has sown some bad seed in the way of blackberry bushes. Now, I have the pleasure of not losing my cool and... Uh, and maintaining them, I guess, is the word you'd call it. I don't know. Vindictive anger is what we're talking about here. Damages people in many ways. It can destroy your relationships. I mean absolutely destroy relationships with your spouse, with your children, with your friends, anybody in your family that you point this at. Oh, my goodness. I read an, a Facebook meme this week, and, it, and I thought it was so appropriate. It says, when you get angry, take a breath and count to ten. Throw a punch at eight, because nobody expects that. That's not anger management, is it? I just thought it was kind of cute. A friend of mine put that up. I thought, oh, that'll go right along with my anger theme. When you get angry, take a breath and count to ten. Throw a punch at eight, because nobody expects that. That's not one of my solutions today, okay? It's not one of my solutions. Just want to make that very clear, okay? We don't want to have to come down and bail you out of the county jail. All right? Will Rogers, great old guy with some wisdom from another another era, he said, people who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. Yeah. 
Proverbs 29.11 says this, Fools give vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Just think of that. If you use a little godly wisdom, you can bring calm to the situation. Did I go back and apologize to that kid who I ran off the road? Excuse me, he ran himself off the road. No, I didn't. My bad, you know. But hey, it was the heat of the moment. I must have given full vent to my rage. Proverbs says don't do that stuff. Benjamin Franklin said, whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. How many of you know that? You've gotten angry at somebody, you've blown up, you've kind of verbally vomited all over them, and then when it's all said and done, you, you don't feel too good, do you? You feel like a, like a real idiot. It just, it's sad. But whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. First John chapter 4, verse 20. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. These are some pretty strong words here. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. Boy, there's a reality check for you, amen? Got to love your brother and sister whether they're lovable or not. How's that? Let me share a little story with you. A seminary professor placed a huge dartboard in his classroom, and he asked his students to draw a picture of someone who made them angry. One young lady drew a picture of her boyfriend who had just broken up with her. Yeah, other students drew pictures of various people who had hurt them. The professor called these students forward, had them pin their pictures to the dartboard. He handed them some darts and told them to throw the darts as hard as they could. And as they did so, the pictures were ripped to pieces. As they surveyed their work, each student smiled as they expressed their anger against the person represented by the pictures. The students returned to their seats with everyone watching. The professor, he slowly turned the dartboard around. On the back of the dartboard was a large picture of Jesus. Each dart that shredded the picture of the front of the board also did damage to the picture of Jesus on the back. The professor then read the words of Jesus in Matthew 25 and 40. Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the the least of these, my brothers, you have done it unto me. Now, normally we quote that scripture in a different light, different scenario, amen? We, uh, you know, we give a bag of things to, to Salvation Army, or we, we help somebody who's down on their luck, or you hand the guy on, dancing on the corner a $20 bill so he can eat lunch at Arby's, or whatever you do to help somebody. That's what we think of when we think of Matthew 25. But it can go the other way, amen? In this example, as I just read, inasmuch as you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brothers, you have done it unto me. Before you boil over and go crazy on somebody, think about what would Jesus do? What would Jesus think of me since he's probably standing right over there and I can't see him, but he's that close to me today and he's got an opinion and consequences that are going to go along with my rage. Here's the good news. It's not all bad news, okay? Here's the good news. Number three, anger can be a healed problem. Anger can be a healed problem. Author Gary Collins is a Christian gentleman who wrote a book called A Christian Guide, A Guide to Christian Counseling. And Gary describes a few ways that we can handle some of these things. 
First off, he describes three inappropriate ways to deal with anger. And I did, I forgot to put these in my notes, so don't worry about hunting for these, but I'll give them to you, the points you want to write down under number three. The first thing that's inappropriate with anger is holding back. Holding back. And I'm just going to read you his statement because it's easier to do that than it is for me to re-explain it. He says, holding back means that you stuff your anger inside yourself. It can be healthy for a little while. It gives you time to assess your situation and can prevent angry outbursts and the fallout that comes after the outburst. But in the long run, it's the least ineffective way to deal with anger. When anger is ignored, it begins to affect us in other ways. Okay? The second inappropriate way to deal with anger is turning inward. Turning inward. When anger is kept within and not expressed appropriately, there can be an outer appearance of calm on the outside, but a boiling rage happening on the inside. Internal anger is a powerful force that may express itself in physical symptoms such as intense headaches, chest pains, and ulcers. Wow. It can also produce psychological problems in the way of self-pity, thoughts of revenge, or even suicide. I'm telling you, don't keep it inside, folks. Wow. Third inappropriate way to deal with anger is acting out. Acting out. Things like aggression, violence, slander, gossip, abusing alcohol or drugs are all ways... This inappropriate means to deal with anger manifests itself in your life. I worked with a fellow years ago, and uh, he he had an anger problem. He confessed to be a Christian. He confessed to be spirit-filled. and But he had an anger problem. And who was he angry with but himself? He was angry with himself... And he was always stuffing it inside. And every once in a while, he'd just blow up for no reason. And uh, eventually it cost him his job. And it was sad. Eventually it cost him his job. And then after he left our place of employment, it came out that he was a closet alcoholic. And he was drinking himself under the table nightly. And uh, he was angry with himself over that very thing. And it caused him to blow up. It caused him to act out in different ways. So let me ask you today, how can we keep anger from getting the best of us? How do we do that? First of all, don't hold on to it. It's not really worth it. Jesus says we should settle matters quickly. Matthew 5, 23 through 26 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Boy, oh boy. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Negotiate early, folks. There's, that's the that's the moral of the story right there in, in chapter 5. Negotiate early and often and get it done so you don't have to go stand in front of a judge who might be having a bad day. He might be angry himself. He might not be having a real good day, and he might take it out on you. Man, oh, man. 
So don't let your anger boil up inside like a volcano. You watch, you ever watch the volcano over, is it over in Hawaii? They got a live one over there. I've never been to that part of Hawaii and don't really care to. But they got one that goes off on a regular basis. I think it was a year or two ago. That thing went crazy. And sometimes our anger can be that way. But it went crazy and it, and it came off that mountain and it just destroyed home after home after farm after village after it just kind of ran its way all the way till it got to the ocean and decided, okay, enough is enough. Don't be like a volcano that explodes and rains down destruction on everything around you and everyone around you. Handle things quickly. Handle things appropriately. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 says this. And I love the fact that married couples love to quote this to one another. This is so nice. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. I can just imagine a couple arguing across the... Now, we don't do this at my house. We just... just, We don't do this. The only thing we argue about is where we're going to go eat. But otherwise, we don't have much to argue about. But I can just imagine... A couple, maybe a young couple, and they don't know much about marriage, and they're standing across the room for each other. And there might even be some fine china sitting close by, you know. And they're screaming back and forth at each other, and they start hurling dishes and and vases and pots and pans and oh my goodness. But then they're telling each other, in your anger, do not sin, do not let let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. There is a way that we have discovered in the word today to be angry and not to commit a sin. Okay, we can all do that if we'll put our mind to it. If we hold on to anger, boy, oh boy, we are giving the devil a place to claim control in this area of our lives. Amen? Jesus said we should also watch over our emotions. We are emotional beings. We have emotional highs. We have emotional lows. Some of you... Ride that roller coaster a little more than others, okay? Depends on if you took your meds. Uh huh. Yeah. But Jesus said, hey, you need to watch over your emotions, whether you're medicated or not. Matthew 5, 38 and 39, he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. It's a little tough to do this in, in, in real life, don't you think? Somebody's messed you up and, and they've really done you wrong. And um, I remember when I was younger, I, I, I sold a car to a preacher's wife. And my dad had made the arrangements for me ahead of time somehow. I don't know what the, it was. A, I, don't, I don't know what the deal was. But anyway, we gave him the keys to the car. Uh, and they took over, they took the car and they were driving it and then they failed. They gave us a couple hundred bucks down and they were supposed to pay every month and that never happened. You know, they moved away, took the car with them, never saw the money. And my ang- my, and my emotions kind of boiled over. Boy, and the next time, uh, I saw them in person, I think it was at a care meeting or something, I took them aside and I let them have it with both barrels. You'd think I would have gotten over it by then. It wasn't that much money. I think it was a total of about 800 or $1,000. And uh, at least I got a couple hundred bucks out of the deal for my time to change paperwork and whatever else. But In this passage, Jesus isn't talking about like physical self-defense. You don't always have to go to bat for yourself. He's mainly talking about verbal insults. 
Because people can wield insults at the drop of a hat. They can say things that are mean, hurtful, spiteful. It's anger boiling over. Here's what Romans 12:19 says to do. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. That's your papa talking. That's your heavenly father saying, "Hey, I'll stand up for you when the time comes. Just don't be a knuckle don't be a knucklehead between now and then." Okay? Yes, it happened. Yeah, you lost a few dollars in the deal. But don't be a knucklehead and pack that around forever and let it eat at you. My goodness. Our emotions cannot be trusted in all circumstances. Amen? Don't let your emotions control you. Don't let that be the thing that turns your head one way or the other. Martin Luther, great reformer, he said this. He said, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My guide is the Holy Spirit of God. None else is worth believing. Amen? None else is worth believing. I always used to get a kick out of those cartoons. You had a little, was it, was it Bugs Bunny? That little, little devil on one shoulder and little angel on the other trying to tell him what to do. None else is worth believing except the Holy Spirit. Amen? And then the last thing that Jesus says to do when dealing with anger and how to handle it appropriately is to pray about it. You ever thought about that when you're angry? It's the last thing I thought of when I was speeding across that intersection last week. I didn't stop to think about praying about it. But the Bible says that we should, okay? Matthew 5 again, 43 through 45 says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I'll tell you, here he goes, narrowing the path. I will tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So when we get angry, how many of us in the room would say, oh yeah, that's my first inclination, Pastor Mike. I'm going to stop and pray about it. Yeah, don't raise your hand. You'd be lying too. That's probably not the first inclination in any of us. And yet the word says, hey, pray for your enemies. So lately I've been praying for the old Russian guy behind us. Because I really don't like him. Last summer, not this summer, but last summer, it was hot, it was dry. And he decides to go out and start a burn barrel fire where the burn ban is on. And Teresa and I were out working in the yard. And all of a sudden we hear this snap, crackle, pop. And stuff's coming over the top of the thing. So Teresa, she didn't pray about it. She just... She just walked right over to the, she couldn't see him, neither one of us could, but we, we saw the fire and smelled it and saw the embers coming over the top into the dry grass and uh, the dry plants. She's like, hey, you can't be doing that. You can't be lighting a fire in the backyard in the middle of summer. What are you thinking about? I'm like, you go get him, honey. You, go. you sick him. She's my bulldog sometimes, I tell you, I love it. Yeah, meek and mild-mannered Teresa Patterson. Who would have thought that she would have let... I'd just been praying that that uh, they'd move. they just... Somebody would come along and make them an offer they couldn't refuse, or they'd have like a family blowout or something. They'd just have to move. And maybe somebody would come along and clean the place up. I've thought about calling the city. So you know how many outbuildings this guy has built in his backyard that are illegal? You need to come take a look. 
I tell you, beats all I've ever seen. So, as I close today, I'm going to ask the band to come back. We're going to close with a song, so I'm going to ask those that are on the worship team to come back. And I've just got a couple of thoughts that we're going to finish up here. But when we get angry, how many of us stopped and think that we should pray about that situation? So before you retaliate, before you get bent out of shape, before you say or do something that you're going to regret later, try praying about it. If nothing else, to calm your spirit, just whisper the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus fixes everything. It can, it can be an attitude adjuster, I mean, immediately. It can, it can straighten you out in a heartbeat, and it can bring peace that passes our human understanding, the Bible says, and will bring peace and calm to us. Jesus is our best example yeah. on how to deal with anger. Now, he had some righteous anger, and the Bible talks about that. Remember, he already dealt with the guys over here in the chapter that we read about healing on the Sabbath and all that. And I think there's a, there's a, uh, there's a chapter where he uh, drives some guys out of the, out of the uh, temple, and he does it with a whip and turn, overturns the table of the money changers. He, know those, he knew those guys were crooked, and they were taking simple people to the cleaners on a daily basis. So he says, well, while I'm in town, I'm going to fix that. So he had a lot of people that lashed out at him, but never once did he retaliate for a personal attack. He knew how to turn the other cheek. Never once did he lose control. The Bible says that when people even hurled insults at him, he didn't hate them, he didn't seek revenge, but instead he combated their anger with love. Amen? And I would say to that, Lord, help us. To be more like Jesus. That's what it's all about anyway. Amen? It's all about becoming more and more like Christ. Walking in his footsteps. Finding that narrow path on a daily basis that he calls for in his word. And walking in that. Walking in his word. Staying in his word so we have an understanding. If you're looking to resolve any situation in your life. I guarantee you. You can read somewhere in the Bible. And it will bring a resolution and an answer to you, whatever your situation is. Amen. Why don't you stand with us today? I'm going to ask Tiffany to lead us in this song, talking about love. And then I'll pray over you and dismiss. Hallelujah. Father God, thank you for your love that rescues us time and time and time again so grateful for that today. Lord, I pray that this word has touched more than one of us today. I pray that this word has touched a number of folks who struggle in this area. But we know, God, with your help, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit living in us, by following your word, exercising those things that we read in your word, we know that we can overcome anger. So help us today, Father God, I pray. Help us to take this word to heart. Help us to practice it when anger comes. Help us to hold our tongue and not say things that would destroy those who are around us. We thank, we are thankful for that today, Father God. We give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory for everything that is said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless you guys today. Thank you again for being faithful. 
to the house of God. Have a great, great week.